Golf nerds, it's time for 2018's debut episode of Swing Shot. What is it? Swings, not swing shots. <laughs> and you don't even drink. It's Swing Shots. Yeah. Welcome to Swing Thoughts. I'm Howard. That's Timmy. You're a good boy. Well, well, well. This program still brought to you by TaylorMade, number one driver in golf. Lots of TaylorMade news. I have a, uh, a golf publicist question or thought for you, because you used to do that, right? I did. That was my business. And I'm actually even doing a little project at the PGA show. Where? In Orlando? Yeah. At the end of the month, it's the um, the PGA show is the um, annual uh, golf merchandise program. Um all the, the world comes to Orlando for the uh, PGA show, and I'm going to be down there. going to be helping with uh, the good folks at Game Golf. They're launching a, a, a new um, program, and so I'm going to be down there helping spread the love and the word and all that good stuff. Well, there's Coach Tim. He's the mental performance coach for uh, Glen Abbey Golf, and, uh, you know, we'll tell you, you can all get PR, his... PR yeah. practitioner. And what's game golf? What is that? Is that that's the thing uh, where you've probably seen it, where people put it's this little red thing that goes in the end of your golf shaft, and you wear this. Um, yeah, yeah, the little thing on the side, and yeah, it, and it, it keeps, tracks your. Yeah, it keeps track of all your stats. Really? So, so you really know instead of saying, "Yeah, I hit that two forty, and you really only hit two hundred. But you know, a buddy of mine had that a couple of years ago. My buddy Tim Southcott, and uh, I was fascinated because after every shot, you just hit that thing on your belt, and it records it. And now you don't have to do that. Now tap you don't have thing. to do that tapping. Right? Yep. And you got involved with game golf. Look at you. Yeah. <clears throat> Good man. Yeah. Well, it's, it goes back to my history with uh, I did Nike golfs. Media relations in Canada for about 10 years with uh, Vitalis Gomes, otherwise known as Vidi. And he's, um, he's got a consulting company now and um, working with a lot of cool companies like Love Aware and Game Golf. And so he, they need some assistance with this uh, launch and this uh, thing they're doing at the PGA show. And so helping them out. Um, I may have to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I may have to uh, replace my soft goods sponsor. Do you know anybody? <laughs> oh, do you, do you mean software? Soft, software? you know, soft goods like you know, shirts and pants and things of that oh, nature oh. and shoes. I may have to because uh, there's been a separation. There in has the, been yes. in the tailor-made Adidas world. It has sad. Oh well, that's the way it goes in golf. But you know, people, you're a PR guy. i I know some people. Yes. Anyway, well, we want everyone to. Uh, Go to Game Golf and, and get one of those things. Also, this program is still, I guess, somewhat sponsored by um, Club Link. <laughs> Did you have to think there? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Buddy, I, you know, I've been, you know, for everyone, I re- we record, we're recording today for face-to-face for the first time in a long time. Yes. We've been doing the phone and all that. Yeah, so we're in the Humble and Fred Studios, and it's around 1035 in the morning, and I've been sitting in this chair broadcasting nonsense. Uh, since like six this morning, so I'm a little bit. I'm trying to shift gears. So yes, Clublink is our sponsor. Yeah. They uh, we highly endorse them. And TaylorMade uh, took another. What a great talk about a PR guy's dream. You have uh, this uh, first the first tournament of the PGA Tour season. 
It's won by Dustin Johnson. He's got M3 and M4 on either side of his weird cap that he wears. Let's just be honest. This cap's dumb. Uh, John Rom. <laughs> it is. Oh, John yeah. Rom. Uh, John Rom's second. He's a beast. That's pretty good. You know, start these, you know, the new season, the calendar season, and all of a sudden your guys are it. Yeah, and showcasing shots like uh, a 432-yard near ace on a par four. Oh, my god! Yeah, gosh. I just don't get it anymore. That's, that is just nutty. And what made me is. think of you and your job as a uh, relations person in the industry? I dabble now. Yeah, a dabbler. <laughs> uh, I was watching it in real time. So Johnson's win happened around 945 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday night a few days ago. In Hawaii. In Hawaii. <laughs> And then I uh, saw an alert. Honestly, Tim, it couldn't have been more than two or three minutes, and I had this conversation with our buddy from TaylorMade the other day. I said, in two or three minutes, I had an alert on my phone from TaylorMade congratulating Dustin Johnson. And that email went all over the world to their media partners' contacts, of which we're, you know, I am one. And I thought, wow, that's some pretty good PR right there. That happened in real time, and that release was sent out, sent out I should say, congratulating Dustin Johnson. Oh, yeah. Well, everything happens so quickly now with the, in the social media sphere, all that stuff. It's, yeah, tweets, all that, all that stuff. But I just think it's amazing, um, and it's good for golf, that Dustin Johnson, right out of the gate, wins like that. He just didn't win. He stomped on everybody. Like, I, I checked my phone, and I looked, and he had, like, six, seven-shot lead, and wow. And it's great, particular, particularly coming on the um, the heels of 2017, which, not a bad season for him, but that whole thing where he fell and hurt his back at the Masters. Didn't play the Masters, yeah. yeah it took him about five months to really recover, both physically mentally from that. You know, it's interesting you say that because one of the announcers mentioned, you know, I think he won, Dustin Johnson won three or four times last year. And what a crappy year. Yeah, but it was a disappointing <laughs> year because he didn't, he didn't play the Masters. Right. At the time, yes, I remember saying, um, in fact, I may have said it on this show, I certainly said it on the Humble and Fred show that Dustin Johnson would win the Masters if he could find the course. Yes. Which, as it turned out, he couldn't. And there's all, you know, listen, we're talking to guys who... You know, they're not dumb. Everyone's heard the stories, what happened with Dustin Johnson. and ha You know, there's a rumor about this and that. Look, I, the rumor. We don't I, caught. What, what's the rumor you heard? Well, the story is he was wearing socks and he was going up or down these stairs and uh, they flipped. So, so oh, you're, oh, you got the knowing smile no, going I just, here. I, just, like, like, oh, I got taken in by the, oh, the PR. Wait a second. You know what's beautiful about you? As a human, is that, you know... I'm so gullible? No, not that you're gullible. It's like, you know, your rumor is, you know, I, I heard that he slept on some socks. I heard he slept on somebody's wife, is what I heard. <laughs> See, my story is a lot more salacious than yours. The story that I heard going around was that... There was... Uh, and it's, again, it's a horrible rumor. I'm just telling you what I just saw... A, I was just distracted by a picture of Paulina Gretzky... You would, you would slip on someone, Tim, Tim. You, you know you're such a sweet boy. You know you never heard the phrase. No matter how hot a woman is, this is terrible. But it's, it, I'm just going to repeat it. And this is and this is um, we're not going to no matter over no, this or no. it's not going to be a me too hashtag about sweet Maybe. thoughts. Uh, but the <sighs> the old expression is no matter how hot some woman is, 
somewhere, some guy's sick of her. <laughs> so, um, and then and, sure, it goes both ways. Of course, it of does. course, it does. Good Lord. But, uh, yeah, the rumor that I heard is that there was somebody's wife involved and they got into a scuffle. Again, just a rumor, unfounded, allegedly. That, but yours is funny because yours is about him slipping on his socks from Christmas. <laughs> and mine's about, mine's about him, you know, being getting into a kerfuffle because he was hanging out. Uh, who, again, who knows? You know, that sounds like, you know, that sounds like a Callaway rumor. Callaway would come up with that kind of salacious. That's what it is. They'll fake. do anything. Exactly. They'll do anything. It's fake news. It is. I was also reminded. So mine was an alternative fact. I loved it. The other thing I was reminded of, and again, you know, J- Dustin Johnson is uh, the dominant force in the game. But it wasn't that long ago. Do you remember he took six months off? It was about four or five years ago. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. He, PJ Tour never he, disclosed. Nope. Rumor was so six months. Speaking he, rumors again. Yeah, but in room, it's not. It's not like Dustin Johnson has been a, the perfect choir boy. He's a, he's a kid that's grown for. up. Yes, yes. You know, four or five years ago, he was a kid. Uh, they made mention of him taking six months off, came back and won. And since that time, I think they said he's won eleven times since that six month break that he took to basically grow the f up. Definitely the dominant player in the game, and, and he's matured. Uh, and what we're seeing now is a guy that has been, first of all, two quick stats. Uh, his 11 years in a row of winning a PG, at least one tournament, is third only to Tiger and Jack. Good research. So that's pretty good. And the other thing is he has been number one now. Uh, more weeks, the longest American player that's been held number one uh, for more weeks since Tiger Woods. Since. Thank since you. Tiger. Um, Did your crack research team come up with that actual number? Or uh, you say it's a my lot? crack research team is me watching TV on Sunday. <laughs> I'm surprised I remember anything nowadays, to be honest with you. I don't even know how long we've been doing this show for. Today? Three years? I don't know. Well, I'll just go right here. We've been doing this show for over two years, which coincides with your um, staying away from... My booze-aversary? At your booze anniversary. You have not alcohol has not touched your lips in two years. Two and, years and eight and not days. Make the way, not to make light of that. I think make, that make anything you want of it. That is super significant. And thank you. Congratulations. I'm reaching. We're over, uh, reaching. Yeah, we've talked good, on the phone, but now you have a good grip. Give me a frill. Yeah, yeah, very firm. Man, man. You You're know? a man's man. Yeah, you are new warrior, brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. Yeah, no, I, uh, I think it's awesome, and and I loved. Uh, reading the uh, the outpouring on Facebook, that was that was fantastic. Yeah, it was crazy, huh? Mm-hmm. And people really react to that. And um, I think what you did was um, by being so open about your own experience with that, you allowed other people to see what's going on with them, and and you know that you could be you probably acted as an inspiration to a bunch of people who you know maybe took a good look at their life and went well. If he can do it, maybe I can. And so, kudos to you. Well, thank you. You know, I've been on <clears throat> social media. It was a, was a radio station legislated thing back in 2007, 2008. And as I said on the other show that I do, I said, in all the years, you know, I have a lot of people because of the media, whatever. I have a lot of people that follow me on the Humble and Fred show on Facebook, on Twitter. But not one thing, not my birthday, not, uh, you know, 
some other cool thing I put up on my Facebook page, nothing was like this. Yeah. I put up a three-paragraph or two-and-a-half-paragraph post, and in the first 48 hours, I had 1,300 reactions. I had 900 likes, loves, whatever. I had 250, 300 comments from people and heartfelt. But more than that, Tim, I had now at least 75 private messages or texts from people that kind of know me, <laughs> some that didn't know me at all, reaching out just like you said. You know, Howard, I, I started this today or Howard, I, I don't know, I need to start this. How did you do it? It's just, It was very humbling and I felt blessed to have been in that situation where uh, some some men especially reached out to me that were struggling and I had a, a long conversation back and forth with one person in particular who was basically saying I need to do this how tell me how and I said well you already know how and uh, the phrase I used is it takes he said something about well I don't know if I have the willpower and I said it takes no willpower to not do something you don't want to do hmm and he came back to me a couple of days later and said, Howard, uh, thanks for the conversation. He said, that phrase keeps running around in my head that, you know, I, I have no, you and I, it takes no willpower for me not to do heroin. Hmm. I mean, like nothing, someone could be here having a great time doing heroin. I, I don't, I don't have a, it's not in my wheelhouse, right. you know, but same with alcohol now. I, you know, people always ask me, you know, how do you go to golf tournaments and banquets and parties and New Year's and Christmas and birthdays? And I always say the same thing. I go, I ha it has no effect on me anymore. I went and bought a bottle of wine for my, you know, friend the other day. And uh, I was in a, I was in a uh, liquor store for the first time in a long time. And I was like, I said to her after, I said, it's so funny going in there for me because I used to know where everything was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did. I couldn't. I was looking around I'm like, I'm not really 100% sure where this bottle would be so uh but that's what it was for me i i really was really and i didn't do it for this reason but it was heartening to see the reaction not just way to go howard but you know my uh, i'm 14 years sober i'm five years sober people those kind of people you know and it inspired me you know i said that to a few people that that reached out i said wow you know 12 years some guys we know actually hmm I said, wow, you know, amazing. What's that like? And they said the same thing to me. It was like, it's like what you've gone through, just, just a few more days in a row, you know? That's what it is. Yeah, wow. That's that's beautiful stuff. Really, really is. And I think what it speaks to is your whole raison d'etre, if you will, of posting was not, hey, look at me, what I look what I did, but more of a place of, you know, Almost like, what service am I doing to others? And I think that's where we're truly in our wheelhouse as people. It's when we're, when we're really looking out for others and, and how can we be of service and what can we do for them. When we're kind of expansive, when we're outside of ourselves, that's where the, the real beauty happens, I think, in life is when we're doing things that, how they help others, how they support others, how they empower and I think that's what you did. You acted as an as an inspiration. And I think some of the greatest things that people do, whether it's through song or through stories or something as kind of pedestrian as social media, is share your own story. Then people can reflect on their own life through you. And I think that's that's largely what you did. 
Well, excuse me. It's also what you do. It's the work you do with New Warrior Training. It's the work you do as a coach. But, you know, and Tim and I have had this discussion. I, I'm not sure if we've had it, you know, in, in the fulsomeness of our golf. Uh, with full candor, you mean? Well, <clears throat> I know this. You know, when something's true, it's indisputable. And so, you know, you could read that post where I, you know, I started it by saying uh, 24 months ago today I quit drinking. And I did it on the 2nd of January because I drank, you know, New Year's Eve that year. And then I drank all the next day knowing that that was going to be, I knew it was going to be my last day. So I really went at it hard. <laughs> but anyway. Ouch. Yeah. And then, um, but I started the post by saying, you know, here are some facts that are true. Now, you may not like me. You may not, you may like me, but it doesn't take away from the truthfulness of what I'm saying and and there's a there's a smell that authenticity has Ooh. Um, and that's why when we one of the things that is great about doing swing thoughts with you is because you're like I couldn't really do I, I can't see doing this with somebody that didn't have the empathic background that you do just as a person and also as a vocation because when I talk about being in situations on a golf course that maybe men don't often reveal the humiliation of four-putting and having some dork tell me all about the fact that he hasn't sank a putt all day. Those th <laughs> the thing is that listeners know that actually happened. I'm not making up that I, you know, have burned out a few times in the last couple of years and that golf is frustrating even at the elite level that I play at. Um, those are the things that people relate to because, as you say, when you talk about being other, you know, um, centered or those are true statements. You don't, you may not like the person who is saying it, but you can hear there's uh, honesty in it, mm -hmm. which is why maybe this show is a little different than a lot of golf shows is because we're saying, you know, you know, when I first met you, I, you know, you couldn't stop shanking it. And, but it's the equanimity that you showed through the ridiculous shank rodeo that I witnessed <laughs> that first drew me to you. And wanted me to be a fan. <laughs> Checked it out. Yeah. <laughs> what an anomaly. Um, a guy who can shank and laugh. Although there's oh, been yeah. many. Sh I, I did tell the story about having a few shanks and actually killing one of my golf clubs. I, I told you that story, didn't I? Okay. I played with my mom and dad. First off the tee. One was this recent? Since no, I've no, known you? Oh, years ago. No, no. Yeah. This is like might have been 10 years ago but um yeah so i want to have this nice lovely golf game with my mom and dad at sunningdale where they'd been members for 30 35 years i grew up and my brother and so we arranged this game so we're first off the tee and we get off there and um of course there's these guys behind us and they're like rabbits they're like those you know the foursome that's more invested in how fast they can play mm -hmm. than anything else and so I'm starting to get frustrated and with these guys right on our heels. I think it's like on the uh, seventh hole at Sunningdale. Uh, new course, for those who know it. And anyways, I, hit, I go to hit my approach and shank it. And then I go to hit uh, my wedge uh, and I hit a second shank. And I just took my club. I was holding the grip and I just like whapped my golf bag <laughs> and the head of my driver just in slow motion just falls to the ground and like oh my god i killed my driver you tomahawked your driver with your wedge i did i did hit it right in the um right where the yeah 
where it attaches, if you will, to the club head. And I was just, I lost it. I, I was like, I couldn't believe with my parents I'd had this kind of like a little, you know, little boy reaction. And it was like, you know, so before my mom and dad could see it, I picked up the driver and threw it in the bag, zipped it up, and like, I was livid. I was beyond myself. <laughs> what did they think when you kept pulling oh, I out just, three I just, wood? I just, for the rest of the <laughs> For the rest, Tim, no, 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 no. aren't you going to hit? I don't need to hit driver here. No, no. Then there's the rest of the story. As, All right, uh, he used uh, to yeah, say, "What's his face?" Yeah, that guy. And now the rest of the story. That's right. So, I, I just don't know. I'm just like buzzing out of my mind, and I just tromp to the next tee, and I'm pacing up and down. The, do I go to the? Do I go to the parking lot? Do I just go home? Do I keep going? And I finally settled down. And went, oh, you know what? It's just a stupid thing. And so so they came over and, hey, Tim. <laughs> hey, Tim. We're having a lovely day. Yes, exactly. Um, I just want to let you know, uh, I had a little tantrum. I broke my driver. But, you know, I'm okay. And <laughs> my mom going, oh, Tim, we've all done silly things, haven't we? That's so good. Yes. And uh, so the rest of the dri- uh, game, yeah, I used my three wood. And had a lovely, lovely time. Here, here's what I was thinking of you. Hey, Tim. Yes, Mom? We've all done, you know, silly things. Here, use my driver. It's Mom, a it's beautiful... Got, huh? But, Mom, it's got a senior <laughs> lady shaft in it. Perfect. <laughs> That'll help with your swing tempo, Tim. That's right. Slow down. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um... Well, thanks for that. Yeah, anyway, uh, drinking, uh, you know, it's funny. I had a uh, guest on the uh, Humble and Fred show. If you want to download the show, it's pretty cool. On Wednesday, January 10th, he's a uh, regular on our show. He's a fitness uh, guy, but not a trainer. He goes around North America speaking about food and... Uh, That's a good doctor. Dr. O- uh, Dr. Odiatu. Uchi Odiatu. And yeah, he's, he looked fit and all that. He's ridiculous. And he's like our age, and uh, he's beautiful. But uh, one of the things he talked about was how changing your gut flora, the good bacteria in your stomach, uh, and how food and changes in food, even little ones, especially for men, uh, have a, this is a golf thing, by the way, I'm getting to it, has a real um, effect on your physiological, your physiological uh, state has a real effect on your mental state, mm-hmm. which goes to one of uh, 2017's uh, learnings from Tim for me. And it was a small thing, but it was it made a huge impact on me. It was early in the season, and we were talking about my game. Somehow or another, I was frustrated. And you asked me. I was frustrated because I couldn't close. I wasn't, That's right. I wasn't, I wasn't finishing rounds well. I was... You know, whatever I was, even one under, one over, 12, 13, 14, and then 15, 16, I would bogey or double bogey a couple holes at the end. And you just said, how much are you eating and when are you eating it? And it was like a light bulb went off because I just wasn't giving my body the the right nutrients at the right time, and it affected my mental acuity. Of course. So Uchi, if you download the show, we, we did about a half an hour at the end of it with him. And he's talking about just the, like, a little bit of it was intermittent fasting, but also the amount of um, good food you give your body really takes, like, they've done these studies where it really changes your mental ability to handle stress. Absolutely. 
So today's little takeaway is the one from last year with Tim. But remember this, as the season approaches, you got to start thinking about what you can do now to, to make better uh, food choices that will help your mental ability to handle the stress of the game. Because the game really does, for reasons that we, ha- we, we all have trouble explaining to non-golfers, why we get so stressed out about it. But we do. Especially if you're a tournament player or you want to play your best. Right. Well, you're putting yourself under stress, particularly in, um, in tournaments. But, uh, yeah, I remember what started that was that I played a couple times with you and I hadn't seen you eat anything. Yeah. We've been out there like you're out there for four and a half hours or so. And it just doesn't make any sense. You have to keep all that stuff going going through your body. You have to keep yourself sustained. And you had some good thoughts about, you know, what to eat right. at different points in the round. Right. Yeah. Particular. So um, say, you know, before you play, you have a nice balance of protein and carbohydrates and complex carbohydrates because those things like apples and, yes. and those types of things, they release the sucrose. Um, slowly, slowly, because they're masticated uh, more. They're they're not as easily. You you have to. Your body has to do something. Exactly, with it. The fibrous food. Exactly. So rather than you know load you with a bunch of like say sugar, which causes a, a your blood sugar to spike, it happens more gradually. Mm-hmm. And then as the round progresses, you could use some say um, some nuts and things to help sustain you. Some protein, and then when it say uh, towards the end of a round, when you start to you're starting to decline. You've been out there. You haven't had a lot to eat, but you've had enough. You use, like, say, a banana or something, mm-hmm. and that that converts just like that because it's got a high what do they call it? Glycemic index. Yeah, and and you you had me sort of starting off with nuts. Yep. And and some beef jerky. And That's right. you know, and, and it's funny because then I got into the habit <clears throat> of having something every three holes, and so now not only was I keeping my, you know, my my ecosystem uh, physically sort of more stable but it, it just contributes to ben, better mental acuity oh absolutely you're able to to just withstand things a lot better and and dr uchi basically saying that for your everyday life and and, and getting just to, to sort yeah. of bring it back to drinking you know we were talking mm. a little bit about that on the show i have made my physiological self so much different than it was two years ago not just that I, I lost a lot of weight because I was drinking so much red wine, which has so many empty calories. But I said to, to Ucho, I've known for years, I said, I just know mentally I'm, I, I feel different. And, it, and it, it's, it's taken a little bit to notice it, but I'm just not as quick to, you know, freak out. As, I guess I do. I completely lose my shit from time to time. But less and less. Mm. And a lot of it has to do with the physiological differences. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Let's talk a little bit about this thing. Tim and I are getting together after the show today. Uh, he and I have been noodling on this idea for a while. And we're not really sure, you know, what we'll call it. Although, you know, I wanted to call, I, I said something jokingly to Tim. I said we should call it the uh, the uh, nerd golf. No, what did I call it? Nerd warrior training. Yes. Golf ner- the golf nerd warrior training. That's it. Because Tim is uh, involved in the new uh, warrior training, which is very cool. But we've, we've kind of just t- take the take it from me here. We've kind of been talking about this for a while about putting a little, what do you call it, a workshop? Yeah, a workshop, half day. All right. Maybe you bring people in here. We've got a nice little space here. And just bring people in. And some of it might be some of the teaching that we've, uh, from, the, from the whatever wisdom we've acquired over the years and those types of things. 
but also to just provide a place where uh, a bunch of people can participate and talk about the thing, their experiences, mm-hmm. and you know, learn from learn from each other a lot. But I think it would really be a great opportunity to to look at you know what are some of the common things that happen, you know, among golfers, in terms of the way the frustrations we get and, and the the focus you know often on score and and how we're doing and judgment and how all that that type of thinking comes to comes to play in in playing the game and and a lot of times it's really quite weird mm-hmm. when i think about it like golf is a okay oh it's a fun thing it's something i do when i'm not working and i escape and and so many of the people i know end up so frustrated it just seems just just a complete irony to me so let's take a look at what are those things that we can do in our golf and say in, even in our lives so we can gosh we can have more fun what a novel concept to have fun playing golf mm-hmm. and maybe a greater sense of freedom and oh as a side bonus you, you can play better when you're in this different different state and i think a lot of it is is just having a different point of view about why you play the game and what's your intent what are you committed to and, and just examine those types of things um Rather than, you know, we've talked about it so often, people are probably tired of it, is this traditional golf paradigm of, you know, I need to shoot this score. Oh, I'm not. Oh, my mechanics are off. I have to go to the range and work you know, until my hands are bleeding to get better. And that that paradigm, in my experience, certainly as a player and as I've witnessed as a coach and with other people, and I, I believe it, you too, that experience doesn't lead to having more fun and just really you know playing well but also how it how that bleeds into other parts of your life so you can have you know a kind of a, a richer life through golf wow well yeah i'm i love all of that obviously i'm just listening to you talk about it you know i'm uh, i got booked to do a keynote speech for the the spring for the I think the Canadian asbestos removal I don't know who they're they're nice people they're, yeah you know whatever it is the Canadian health uh, inspectors Canadian asbestos people they're not as nice as well no uh, the people that get rid of asbestos oh, they, they get rid of they it. get rid of it oh okay because asbestos <laughs> I know like, kills people exactly it? and these are the people that make your work environments healthier oh, so nice, I'm gonna go nice. speak to them I thought you were like doing work on behalf of <laughs> Satan. <laughs> hmm. Alleged Satan. Anyway. They pay a lot. <laughs> so the point is, I'm doing this uh, talk, and a lot of it's funny, and some of it's, you know, uh, experiential, you know, exp- my experience. But a lot of it is the things I've learned through golf of 40 years of playing it. Awesome. Um, the things about golf that apply to the rest of your life. You know, the, you know, there, what is that phrase? Golf doesn't. Golf doesn't build character, it reveals, reveals it. it. But I think it also builds character. 100%. I think there's a lot of what we've talked about on the show, and what we would do in our little workshop is give people a chance. And it's not like we like we did this a couple of years ago when we did Swing Thoughts Live, and we had a bunch of the kids here, uh, the kids, you know, Rudra and Gordner and Bondi and all that stuff. Well, now we're saying come back but pay. Um <laughs> But but it'll be different in that it'll be a, a, a longer experience. We may or may not record some of the stuff for our show. It'll be a chance for you to feedback to us some of the things that, you know, are frustrating to you. Maybe we'll have an answer. Maybe we can point you in a direction. Maybe we'll just listen to you. 
because I think there's a real gap in all the golfy golf, whether it's instruction or even the mental side. There's a real gap for men to kind of share. And women. And women's. Them. To share. I don't even, by the way, I'm so progressive now. I don't even think of people as gender, just humans. Uh, on the pl- female humans mankind. and male humans. Oh, man, it's not mankind. It would be all kinds. All kinds. <laughs> Nevertheless, um, it's a chance for people to kind of share the idea that they're not alone in the way that they, as you just described, you know, it's like having been the guy in the hamster wheel of golf where good score means I'm good, bad score means I'm a you know bad person and I must go and find out why I'm bad today. I mean... It's just not, it, it won't make you what you want, which is to be a better golfer. But really, maybe the sub-theme or maybe the theme should be, maybe it's not about being a better golfer. It's about having a better experience. Absolutely. Well, well said. Yeah. And I think that that's what it's really about. If it's all about, if golf is just about the numbers on the scorecard, I'm not interested. Really. I mean, that's it? Is it, um, is it all about, is golf really about how do I compress a forearm? Is that what it's about? I don't think so. I think really what golf does, and that was a lovely way you put it, about golf revealing character. I think golf, in many ways, is just like the metaphor for making life and all relationships and everything much better. The, the reason why golf is so, it gets our tent, it, um, hooks into us is because we can actually keep score on the darn thing. you know. And, and that's, it's one of the few things other than maybe, say, a salesman making bonus, whatever, but we keep score on these things. And I think that that is um, something that we actually do in other parts of our lives. But golf is where it really shows, it can just so show up. It's just, it's almost like the mystery of the game and how we're just hooked into it so much. Um, but if we can... Th- Take it away from just being able to, you know, hit a draw or fix the that I pull my wedges or something to, well, I learned something more about myself today. I learned that I can persevere in adversity. Mm-hmm. I can handle something and, you know, I can lose something and maybe be gracious about it. Or I see, you know what, when the pressure's on, wow, I really tighten up. Yeah. You know, I, I took something that you taught me a couple of summers ago. Excuse me. And um, I'm not sure if I've shared this with you on the show or on the phone or whatever, but one of the things that you taught me that I took away, probably at the worst, at the lowest I'd been in a while, you know, the famous uh, golf hell episode. And and all you told me was to maybe try and be, you know, other focus, be a better partner, you said, and make it not about you for a round and see how that felt. And it's it stood me in good stead. Now, you know, I was emceeing a... Uh, hang on a second. I was emceeing a, a comedy show at Yuck Yucks. Uh, get about, the water, get the water. I'm getting the water. I was emceeing, I guess it was uh, somewhere in the last month. And emceeing is different because it really is... If, you're, if you want to be good at hosting a comedy show, you have to realize you are there to set the table for the other comics. Uh, I, I've always loved doing it, but, but it was my first time doing it for a long time. And as uh, the music was playing and they were introduced to me, I quietly said to myself before I walked up, remember, Howard, this isn't about you. Right. And that's a golf lesson. Mm-hmm. That was a complete golf lesson about rem- rem- remember this is about the others now. And what that does is it, 
it kind of that ego puppy that we all have, in my case, the ego gorilla. <laughs> but it, it just, it quieted it down. And then I, I took the pressure off me, too. I went up and I was funny and engaging and charming, I think. They seemed to enjoy me they because they laughed. But I also made a real point. There were six comedians on that night. And I made a real point of making a, a real effort to give them a great introduction. And it's hilarious to me. Half of them came up to me after and went, that was great. That was so nice. I really appreciated it because it's not the norm. You know, mm. comics are whatever, but, you know, they're like golfers. They're very self-centered. They're very self-focused. Um, judgmental. Very judgmental. Self-referencing. How and did so, I do? Always. How did I do? Exactly. Yeah. You're always yeah, yeah. in that mode. It's very right. much like being a, a golfer. And so that lesson that I learned from you in golf, and, and I've seen it play out in golf, really helped me. And it's really helped me in other aspects of my life. You know, sometimes when I'm having a little issue with my cranky 19-year-old daughter. I sometimes go, okay. This has nothing to do with me. She's pissing me off mm -hmm. and, and triggering me, but it's really not about me. And so at uh, the new golf weir nerd warrior training, um, <laughs> these are the kind of things we'll talk about. I and you nailed that name. I, I can't think of a better name for it. The... Uh, I think it'll be good for if we even if we listen if we get a couple people if we get ten whatever, um, it'll be a nice you know three or four hours for you to kind of feed back to us some of the things you go through and we can kind of point you in a direction and you can do it as a coach I can do it as a as a golfer and a guy that studied this like, and you know don't like I have yourself. A, you I'm, know you know a lot of this stuff man holy crap well no I'm I'm gonna say I'm not I'm not discounting that I I have. Uh, some of the knowledge, and I've also applied it. Mm -hmm. Well, experience is the best teacher for darn yes. sure. So um, what, now what are we looking at? Let's talk a little bit of, uh, let's have our meeting a little Logi bit now. Logistics? Yeah, like, what are we, we looking at? April? Do you want to do it before the golf season? I wouldn't mind doing it, say, in March, just as, uh, uh, well, we're in Canada, so uh, most of the Canadian golfers are just, like, just champing at the bit to get out there. So we can kind of uh, set people up to have a, a good season by coming into the game with, say, some different, um, working from a different paradigm, if you will, or maybe working with some things that that maybe uh, they've been working towards and they want to take a little bit for. And I think that what that is is about things like, you know, what's my what's my purpose? Why do I play this game? And I like I wrote a blog that I posted yesterday. Um, and I post, I pose the question, how many golfers ask themselves in a serious way, why do I play golf? And it might seem kind of silly and people go, well, um, you know, I, I, um, you know, I want to break you know, 90, 80, whatever. I want to get a lower handicap. Um, I think those are some of the answers, but I really think that when you take a, a, a deeper look at why you play golf, if you ask yourself those questions, you might be really surprised what comes up. And I think those are the things that that when you really connect with why you play, then you kind of see your purpose in playing. And and of course the reasons can be, you know, as varied as there are people. You know, I just it's a place for me to say escape, whether it be work or just other things going on. Maybe I don't look at my phone for four and a half hours. I think for some people, that would be some real freedom. If I may just interject, you know, it's sure. funny because someone might say, you know, I play to get away from work or I play to escape. And if that's 
if you can identify that as your purpose, and then, but then why are you upset if you shoot 93? That's the disconnect. That's what I mean. That's exactly the disconnect. So if my purpose is to uh, say, here's what happened for me. I connected with, there's just the sense of freedom I had on the golf course as a kid. It's almost, I remember this time we were running. <laughs> yeah. You know, and just being silly. You and Huck and Tom and. Yes. Right. <laughs> in your, in your, your, your shorts were held up by a rope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My plaid shirt that was all ragged at the bottom, hanging on by, yeah, duct tape and binder twine. No, really. I mean, I think that's why, just real quick. No, um, keep going. Well, I, 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 think, I'm on the I golf think the course, identification of why you're doing it will really cut through a lot of the. The shit you give yourself Absolutely. when you're not doing it well. Right. I play my best golf when I'm being absolutely silly and just engaged in conversation. It's almost like I can't wait to get a shot over with so I can jump back into what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, or just engaging and just. Which is the opposite of the whiny, sniveling, sucky golfer who has got their head down all the way in between shots beating themselves up till the next shot when they can beat themselves up some more. Yeah, and, you know, and that happens. And believe me, I went, you know, I was a poster boy for that person for years and years and years. Just, you know, coming to the golf course with expectations. You know, I've, I've uh, hell, I, you know, I wrote about golf for a living. I would interview golfers about how they play golf professionals, edit articles on golf instruction. You know, I, I considered myself a scratch player when it came to golf knowledge. So I come to the golf course with all these expectations, and when I didn't meet them, you know, I'd be, just be so you disappointed. You know, it's funny, and, and all the time I've known you, I just, I just realized, you know, you would have had all this baggage of, well, I, I, I've just interviewed, uh, you know, uh, what's the kid who does the one swing? What's her? Graves. Yes, all I've just that. written a book with Graves. I should be, I should know what I'm doing. Absolutely. Yeah, and... I went through all of that. I was, I call it, I'm, I'm the, uh, I was a classic paralysis by analysis basket case. I mean, it's just so tense and, you know, I'd, I'd want to do everything right, make sure I got my, you know, do the back, you know, my backswing correctly, make sure, you know, putting head still, accelerate through, all that stuff. And all I ended up doing was like dog chasing tail. It was until I finally kind of connected with, you know what? Um, I don't think that's what golf is really about. And I was always looking outside of myself for answers. And once I kind of connected with, oh, you know what? Um, I actually, my own experience is my best teacher. Mm -hmm. And when I started from that standpoint, and that's a whole other big topic. But, well, but, um, but it's good to hear you say that because it's like, you know, you know, you had that because you, you had written so much about golf that somewhere in your brain you would have thought, well, I've written so much about it. I guess I should be great at it. And if I'm not, I'm pissed off. What? You know, myself, I did, uh, you know, you know, first of all, you were always more mature than me. Trust me. <laughs> but, you know, I got the paralysis. Well, I am two now. years older. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, but, but I was frustrated because, you know, I never met anybody. And, and, and asked my friends, asked my ex-wife, you know, that, that dedicated more time while having a job and a family uh, to learning how to play. And so when I didn't meet those expectations, coupled with the fact that I'm an immature a-hole to begin with, um, oh, it, was, it was, no, I was. But it was, it was the perfect storm. When I say I was the worst guy I ever met, for temper, t 
tantrums, s- being suckiness, you know, suckiness, and you know it was just really something else. And it took me getting, you know, a lot of stuff happened in my life when I was away from golf that made my return to golf I had a little bit of a different, I don't know, view of the game. Although quickly I got sucked back into the old paradigm, and it was only through when we kind of started hanging out. I was like, you know, maybe there is a different way for me to do this. Right. You know, that being said, I still practice more than I probably need to. I still, because I love, I'm a mastery individual. I love the experience of practice. Well, before on air, we, you talked about how you in the last couple of years, we had conversations. You burned out. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah, it just it, I. So so I have to be careful I because I can overdo it. Absolutely. Um, so but back to our our uh, workshop. Whether we do it, you know, we can have a discussion after about when's the best time. See, yeah. to, and March could be the t- best time. Or I, I was thinking the. See, the thing about the, the Masters is it's kind of the unofficial beginning of the golf season. But in actual fact, most of us in Canada don't really get out much in April. So maybe maybe it's the weekend after the Masters. Whatever it is. Um, we got this to look forward to. Yeah. What we want to say is if you're at all, if you hear this and you're at all interested, we're also going to put it out on our, all our social media. And we'll start asking around. Um, we're not doing it for nothing, but it won't be much. We just want to, I think what we want to do is we want to workshop the idea of doing a workshop absolutely and i think you know um you know when you pay for something you have skin in the game and you're in you're you're literally invested in it yeah like we're gonna offer like muffins and some coffee but really? not but not tim's eh? because they're bad um oh, the whole minimum wage <laughs> oh, yeah. thing the no no benefits oh <laughs> my god what i love today those. there's protests I've around been, uh, the gta around i know this. Wow. i've been doing jokes about tim hortons in my act i have this joke <laughs> about uh because i've always thought the coffee was horrid but i said to him i was like how come everyone no one wants to talk about the fact that tim hortons coffee tastes like it has a uti by the way a uti is a urinary tract infection um <laughs> Thank you. But anyway, so we're gonna have like we're gonna have coffee and muffins, and maybe we'll have some crudités. Eh? So like it's gonna cost something because we're not paying for that shit ourselves. Will our American audience know what a crudité is? I don't know. I don't care. That's like vegetables and dip. And so healthy yeah, stuff. Yeah, we're gonna have vegetables, and uh, we're gonna have some dips and things. That's right. So it's not gonna be free. But I, I I like the idea that if we get some people in here and we do this, we're gonna learn from it. Obviously, absolutely. What's our best, you know, what's our best uh, way to do it? And, and, and I like the idea that we're going to do it indoors first. And I think maybe moving outdoors later in the year so oh, we, can, yeah, we can do some outdoor fun. Like some of the fun we had at, at a, the Whistle Bear yeah, Performance Center. Like amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the things I took away from that day, too, and I've really seen it a lot in my research since, you know, because I watch golf videos all day. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but one of the things about, and I'll tell you this as a mechanical thing, you know, Tim and I were working on something, and I was hitting it really good before you started with me. I was really hitting it great. And then we talked about one thing about the natural end to your backswing is a lot shorter than oh, a lot yeah. of you kids are doing. And and not, I'm not saying don't make a full turn. I'm saying if you can find the natural, and Tim will explain it when we're in person, but I've, I've seen a lot of that. Even Dustin Johnson, if you look at him in slow motion, because he's so limber and because he's got different muscles and, and he's a kid, but he makes mm-hmm. a full, almost 120 degree shoulder turn. Shoulder turn. But his arms aren't way across the line like a lot of you kids listening. 
It's like we do this thing where we 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 are our backswing starts, and one of the things, one of the reasons a lot of amateurs start leaning to the left is this: is because their arms continue to go way past the point. That's right. That they need to. So I really think it would be valuable after we do our indoor version is to do an outdoor version. Oh yeah, yeah. Where we can have these discussions and then we can do a few practical things. Yeah, I I love that. Charge more. I think we need to charge more already. <laughs> Well, I think I think our price just went up in this discussion. It did. It did. Whatever it was, uh, <laughs> it went from paying for coffee and muffins, eh? To now, mummy and daddy need to pay her rent. <laughs> I, you know what? Just to connect, I think what the benefit of of doing a workshop, especially a swing thoughts workshop, is that what we do in this show. We've done it today. We've done it many times before. We go down those rabbit holes that a lot of golfers don't go through. We talk about the things that people feel and talk about as they're driving home from the golf course going, damn it, another freaking disappointment. And, you know, I must be this. And, you know, telling, you know, being just sucked back into their story that, you know, I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. No matter how much I practice, I still don't get better. When, you know, it's not to be like therapy, but when you get people together and they can talk about that stuff, it is amazing how freeing it is. I know when I talk about just like a few minutes there ago about my, my little shanking episode or, or when I, uh, about being obsessed with mechanics, just talking about it, getting it out, that feels awesome. You know, it's funny. It's so weird you're saying this because yesterday I was talking to a comedian. I was out for lunch with a comic friend of mine. He's pretty good. He's been on, like, Last Comic Standing, NBC show. He's a pretty smart comedian. And one of the things we were talking about is being personal in our acts. And he said almost word for word what you just said. Mm. He said sometimes when you admit something on stage, you can you feel like it's like your shoulders go down. It's like, oh, yeah. I got that off my chest. It's like you said it out loud and there's something innately therapeutic about that. Oh, absolutely. And that's what, I, and we both have said this twice each in, in our show today about even if we get you in our studio here or some location and you get a chance to share with us and other people your, you know, little shameful, shadowy <laughs> golf thing, which we've all, which we're all going to be able to relate to because there's nothing anybody is going to say that one of us in this room hasn't either experienced seen watched gone through and when and and in the end what we'll hopefully have for you to take away is a couple of very simple strategies stratagem strategy uh that you can start to put into practice yeah i would say just some tap into sort of this sounds really out there but just tap into a new level of awareness of what's going on for you and i think that that's really the beauty of being able to be in an environment where you're you're not where you're not only allowed to talk about what goes on but you're encouraged and um so could you share with the class what's it's it's so amusing right now he's he's i'm talking here and he looks at his laptop he gives it the you little, know, he gives it a little poke and yeah, he starts all right, you laughing. know maybe laugh funny boy so i'm just looking i was just quickly you share with the rest yes, of us i was quickly scrolling through the agenda that you sent me oh okay uh and i was like okay is there anything that you know we might be able to say now 
<laughs> to entice somebody to come. So here's what I just read. So he's got Tim. You know, Tim's very thorough. Nine forty-five, common area where golfers struggle. You know, eleven o'clock, break coffee, muffins, protein, snacks, fruits, and then he says. 12.45, checkout, participants are asked, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, he goes, 1 o'clock, close. And here's that bullet point. Much hugging, tears, participants tell us we've changed their lives forever, comma, offers of sex. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. I'm like, look at you, Tim, making your little funny bits. <laughs> well, Tears, participants tell us we've changed their lives and offers of sex. Okay, well... <laughs> So that's what made me laugh. That's pretty good. You know, you've been doing stand-up for... It was very funny. Forever. I've been writing for a while. That was funny. Occasionally, you'll come up with a funny one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to keep that in when we send out these. So, uh, basically, I would say if you could... uh, When you hear this, and and, and Phil... Phil is our uh, our our crack producer. producer. Hey, Phil, can we put this up, like, today... All right. We got, the, we got the okay on that. So uh, we're going to put this up. This will be unprecedented in that we're, because we're both in the studio and Phil, our Humble and Fray producer, is still here. Um, we'll make this available. So I, I don't know. Reach out to us. Uh, right now it's informal. We'll start to uh, send out our list to, yeah. to all the regulars and see, you know, once we come up with a participant um, price. And uh, we're going to have a, an official working lunch today, so yeah. we'll determine that at uh, our official working lunch. And I think you know, if we did it here, I think we can handle like you know ten people comfortably. You know, I don't. I, I mean, any more? Hell, like, I'm shoehorn them in. They're paying. We're going to get as many people in here as we can. All right, Barnum, just relax. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> okay, PT. Yeah, PT. Yeah, yeah. All right, relax, son. Um, well, whatever it is, it's not going to be 30 or 40 people. We're going to have a nice, reasonable amount oh, of people and here. And the coffee will be warm and the muffins will be gooey. And, and the crudité will be crude. Crisp. crisp. And uh, yeah. and there will be some offers of... So, of, of goodwill. Of goodwill <laughs> toward s- men and women. And spirits, yes, yes. So one of the things uh, just I want to disconnect with what you're talking about so i belong to a men's group so i meet with a bunch of guys every thursday night and it's a place where guys can come in and talk about all the stuff that's going on in their lives good stuff bad stuff whatever and um so what is interesting is uh, just to connect to what you were talking about there'll be times in which, so we'll do like a checkout at the end and and at least once a week you're gonna have somebody say you know what i wasn't gonna come tonight i was feeling really crappy i was just gonna watch like the leaf game and hang out on my couch but i'm so glad i came because i feel so much you know i had a bunch of crap going on and by just by talking about it i feel so much lighter there's so what i'm saying is that when we kind of disgorge the poison that we usually kind of keep down and roils around in us when we let that stuff out Holy crap, that feels good. And there's just something that happens uh, in a cathartic way. Um, you know, really, that's what, I mean, in our lives, when you're talking to somebody and you, you let something out, your truth, something you've usually repressed, wow, that, that feels so liberating and free. And uh, so that's what, um, I think that's what this we do on this show. We're going to be, um, and I think that's what, you know, not necessarily. You know, in a workshop, we play. People are going to be crying, and we have towels around them, and and all that stuff. But it's a. But I just think, generally speaking, the more you can have 
a relationship with people in which you feel safe and they're not going to shame you or make you feel like an idiot, that's where you can really connect. Well said. Where, I, I no, 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 no. Hey, stop. Don't, don't judge it. It was great. It was well, grand. I judged. Well, yeah, no, don't, don't back I, away from it. I was, it was No, I don't. It was fine. It was, it was revealing. Yeah. That was revealing. You know, it's like uh, this weird game. I, I was trying to explain it to my, I don't even know what to call her. My this, new woman this lady. New, this new person in your life. Yeah, this new woman. I was trying to, we haven't really got into the... Everybody who knows me, who know, I've, only, I've been seeing her for about six or seven weeks, and everyone who says, have you talked to her about golf yet? I'm like, nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Not really. I mean, one, you know, we sort of early on, I, I told her I golfed a little bit. And, you know. So this reminds me of that. But what was that movie, Spring Fever, with uh, Jimmy Fallon? Uh, great, great. It's a great combination of a sports movie and a chick flick. And the movie, I think it's... Is really, that where he goes to the... He's, yeah, Reese Witherspoon, I think. Is, is he a Red Sox fan or is that and well, that's Adam it, Samber? Yeah. No, uh, oh. he's a Red Sox fan. So he starts right. off. All right. He's just the loveliest young man. Well, actually, he's kind of early 30s. And and he's just everything she could she could want. Considerate, wants to hang out, always wondering what's going on for her. And then and then the... Uh, the baseball season. No, the, the friend, then the friend says... What's wrong with this guy? Yeah, and then and then you see the scene, <laughs> they have the tight shot on him sleeping, and the camera slowly pans out, and the room is just like insane with Red Sox paraphernalia, yeah, and well, you go, "That's it. That's that, what's wrong. That's what's wrong." So I I really haven't taken her through the golf fanaticism. Yeah, she, she doesn't know this yet. Well. Have you been holding back? No, I, I, I. She knows that I get. You know, she already knows that I'm obsessive. You know, she's seen that a little bit in the stand-up. And yeah, that would talk a little bit about show up early. the other things that I'm able to do. <laughs> you know, listen, I date me. I know how to fly airplanes, and I can, you know, I can snowboard. And you can even do uh, the the one wheelie thing. A unicycle. unicycle. <clears throat> yeah. So she's she knows a little bit about that, but I, I haven't really. And she knows I play a lot of golf. She doesn't quite know that it's all I think about most of the day. <clears throat> so, uh, I don't know where we were going with this. How did that start? Uh, fandom, over the top, uh, disclosing. You are mentioning that you now had a lady friend. Yeah. But you haven't officially called her a... I don't know. Oh, I know. I don't even know what... That's what I was going to say. Yeah. At 57, I don't know. Girlfriend seems... Weird lady friend was my last girl. That's what I used to call my uh, other girlfriend. I called her lady friend. You know, it was like well, girlfriend sounds like you're 17 yeah, in exactly. high school, and uh, you know, partner sounds like you're oh. in a you know, it's a, you know, I don't even you work in a law office or well, yeah, or you're in it's a, a grown up or you're in a same sex relationship, which is perfectly fine. Oh, well, I think partner is um, uh, that's what a lot of kids life right. partner they use it. Um, so I don't know what to call her, special but special friend. Um, my friends have all asked me. The person that, that completes you? May I? The uh, <laughs> My friends are all very giddy about the fact that this, uh, her name is Rachel. Does Rachel know uh, nice. about, uh, Hi, Rachel. does she know about your golf? And I said, well. I asked you that. She, yeah, every friend has asked me. <laughs> and I, and I, I was trying to introduce the idea to her very slowly. Having said that, what I also told you and I've told other friends is, you know, I can't go on physically the way I have been the last couple of summers. Uh, I, I the amount of golf you play, you mean the the amount of golf days I have right. just not it's not good for my elbows or back or arms. So a lot of the times, and I said this to you honestly, I said a lot of times I because I didn't have anything else to do, 
I just go golfing. Mm -hmm. And now that I have something else to do. You know, well, you know, it which all, is, by the way, something I like almost as much as golf. Yeah. 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 Very close. Yeah. We're just not going to touch that. It doesn't that even a, matter. We're not going to touch we'll that. We'll talk about that at the Nerd Golf Warrior yeah, training. We'll touch that with a 10 meter pole. Whatever. But it'll be interesting to yes. see yes. if, as this mature relationship that you have continues on into the season, which we have green grass and hit golf balls, mm-hmm. that yep. if you play less golf to observe, the shall we say uh, quality of your experience or if by the time the grass is green and the birds are singing once again if in fact little missy and i are still you know who knows you never know that's right you never know all right it is that time i could go back and yeah well it's winter girlfriend season (laughs) i haven't i have never said that to her does she listen to this podcast No, no one does I mean, the guys do, but no one, you know, my family. Your, does your family listen to this? Yeah, a couple. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, get, my I, I get notes usually every week. Do you really? Yeah, yeah, nice to go on and all that. Really? And, and you I know, know your brother uh, Your brother listens sometimes, doesn't he? I have two brothers, and they listen. Really? But to all those other devotees of Swing Thoughts, um, respond to our Facebook page. Uh, if you haven't reviewed us on um, iTunes, go in there and, uh, you know, if you're not a subscriber, subscribe and tell us what you like and all that good stuff. And we're going to post the show. And so on this today, on today's post, we're going to make the ask if you're interested in uh, uh, Tim and Howard workshop, a swing thoughts workshop, golf nerd warrior training, golf nerd warrior training coming this spring. All right, everybody. Thanks, Timmy. About the home. They blow in that 